word this morning. I am very excited. I'm always excited because, you know, I have my notes here, but I never know what the Holy Spirit is going to do. I'm always open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, although I have my notes here. And so last week, uh, Pastor Lewis preached a great message on living well and finish strong. And so this morning, I would like to focus more on the importance of finishing strong. And so let's start by reading Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Hallelujah. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the power and the authority that you have invested in your word. And Father, we want to hear from you this morning. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, the teacher, will teach us this morning, will reveal your word to us. And Father, we have open ears because we want to hear. And our hearts are open. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Speak to us this morning. Amen. So I'm going to read it again. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God always finishes what he starts. When he starts something, he finishes it. And we see that right from the beginning of time. Look at Genesis 2 verses 1 and 2. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. God is a finisher. I love that. And it's encouraging to know that God will finish the work that he has started in my life and in your life. Thank you, Jesus. You know, to me personally, there is nothing more rewarding than, you know, starting a new project or even doing a menial task and being able to complete it, to finish it. I, it may have been a little bit challenging and maybe halfway I felt a bit discouraged, but when I come to the end of it and I look back and it's finished, oh, that's a rewarding feeling. I've completed something. It's done. But, you know, it's not always easy to accomplish something that we have purposed in our lives to do. And this is the reality. You know, we've all made New Year resolutions that have gone nowhere. Am I the only one? It didn't happen. And so, speaking in general terms, not being able to accomplish or finish a task may have to do with our own personal motivation. That's right but may also be because of something else. Maybe there was an interruption. And so the plans were altered. Okay, that's life. It happens. You know, in this life, not everything that happens is according to our plans and our desires. Am I right? Yeah. And so maybe you thought that you would be climbing, you know, Mount Everest, and now you come to the realization that it will not happen. Okay, it will not happen. Maybe you thought that by now you would be married with four kids and that has not come to happen. 
Am I right? It may happen like that. Or maybe you thought you would be a great musician or a great singer, a famous singer. But you know what? You only sing in the shower and no one wants to hear you. <laughs> That's life. That's life, people. <laughs> and so we all have different goals in life that we would like to achieve. But they may not come to fruition. You know that. That's life. But when it comes to our spiritual life, there is one specific goal that all Christians must achieve. And that is to finish our spiritual race. Look at Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us say aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, God will do his part, because we've just read that in Philippians. He will complete the work, but we need to do our part, and that is to finish the race. He will complete his part, but we need to do our part. Jesus himself, he set the example to all his followers. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to set your eyes on him and follow his example. When praying to the Father, Jesus said in John 17, 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. When Jesus was on the cross, we read in John 19, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So Jesus started on a journey he knew he would have to finish. It was very important, not just to do the will of the Father, but also for our own sake. He finished the race. Aren't you glad about that? Thank you, Jesus. You have finished the race. I need some fixing here. Sorry about that. One, two, one, two, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit is here. Hallelujah. And I love him. I love him so much. Okay, let's carry on because we have a race to finish. I hope our race doesn't finish today. But it may happen. Okay. Just saying, it was a joke, people. It was a joke. You are alive. Praise the Lord. Not time to finish your race yet. Okay. So, the Lord Jesus has finished his work. Praise God. Now, if we want to finish our race, we need to focus on our Savior and follow his example. Look at Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the glory that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, speaking about this spiritual race that we are all running, the Apostle Paul wrote in Acts 20, but none of these things move me, 
nor do I count myself dear to myself, my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. At the end of his life and ministry, look at what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hallelujah. You know, maybe there are specific things that you want to achieve in your life, and they may not come to fruition, but to finish your spiritual race is something that is in your reach to do. It doesn't matter if you were born in the wrong part of the planet. It doesn't matter if you are rich, if you are poor, if you have education or not, if you have the right conditions or not. It is in your power, it is in your reach to finish your race. There is not one person, no spiritual entity, no life circumstance that can stop you from finishing your race. It's in your reach. It is you. You will determine if you finish your race or not. You know, Louis and I, we were ministering up in Queensland a few years ago, and I spoke to the ladies' meeting, in the ladies' meeting, and, and per usual, you know that I love altar calls, and I called the people forward, and I was, you know, uh, going and praying for people, and there was one lady, I mean, I remember her, and I can still see her face, and, and she, you know, really... Ah, she was not feeling good. I could see she was crying, and, and I came to her and I said, what can I do for you? What can I pray for? And she said, well, I'm wondering if God can do something for me. I said, okay, so what happened? I mean, I need a bit more clarity on that. And she said, you know, a few years ago, something happened in our lives, and uh, it didn't go the way that I wanted, and so I, we blamed God for it. We were really angry with God because that happened in our lives and I was not happy. And so my husband and I, that's what she was saying to me, my husband and I, we have decided on that day, we went home with our children and we sat down in the living room and we said from this day onwards, we will not speak to God again, we will not attend church anymore and we will not have a Bible in our homes. Why was she in the prayer line? Well, to, longer, to cut a, a long story short, their lives fell apart, the marriage fell apart, the kids were lost, things were in chaos. You know what? We make decisions every day of our lives. And sometimes we make decisions not knowing if we are making the right decision or not. Am I right? But you know, to abandon Jesus is always, always, always a bad choice. You don't do that. <laughs> Whatever happens in your life, don't do it. It doesn't work. It's not going to help you. And so many start their race well. You know, we've been in the ministry for more than 30 years, so I've seen this plenty of times. Many people start their spiritual race well. They're excited with journeying with Jesus. Yay, I'm now a Christian. We don't know. But the issue here is not about starting the race. And it's not about how many years you've been running the race. It's about finishing the race. <laughs> That's the issue. And so 
Who wants to finish the race strong? Come on, people. You want to finish it strong. So we need to pay attention to, to God's advice in his word on how to race on how to run this race and finish it strong. Jesus said in Matthew 24, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. If we want to finish our race and finish it strong, we need to, my first point, stand firm in the truth. One of the things that will help you stay on course is stand firm in the truth. Now, this is one area where the devil is working really hard these days. He really wants to confuse people, to weaken people's spirits so they don't stand in the truth. People, they don't know what's true anymore. They're so confused. You know, if your mind and heart is not firm on what is true, you will be in trouble in the times ahead. I'm just warning you. God does not expect people who do not have his Holy Spirit in them to uphold the truth and to stand on the truth. But if you are a believer, a Christian, you better stand on the truth and uphold the truth. Stand firm on the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. People get offended by this statement. They get really offended. How can Jesus say something like that? Here's the truth, yes. John 17, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. 1 John 5.20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. And his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Everything in our Christian faith revolves around these statements. If you cannot believe these statements, your faith has no ground to stand on. There's no foundation. Truth is at the center of everything, and Jesus is the truth, and Jesus being the word, the word is the truth. And that's why in this church we like to preach the Bible. Okay? We will stand by the Bible no matter what. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we can all have different beliefs about many different things. Okay, one belief that I have, I'm going to share with you. I believe that Portuguese charcoal chicken is the best in the world. <laughs> Sorry, that's my belief. But I can see by your faces that you do not agree with me. Maybe you prefer chicken masala, I don't know, lamb chanks, I don't know. But I have my belief. You know, but when it comes to truth, when it comes to the real matters in life, we cannot own our own truth. That doesn't work. We cannot own our own truth. Look at history. Every time someone thought they owned the truth, atrocities were committed. And it's still happening today. So there are many today who are asking God to bow his knee to human opinions. Instead of us bowing the knee to God's eternal truth. And so truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. 
And we need to know God's truth, otherwise our faith will be shaken. And I think many people's faith has been shaken. The Apostle Paul wrote, stand your ground in Ephesians 6.14, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. So Paul is referring to the belt in a Roman soldier's armor. It was tied around the waist and it was not, you know, thin, pretty strips of cloth, okay? A soldier's belt was thick and strong. The rest of the soldier's armor was connected to the belt and kept the whole armor in place. And so for the Christian, truth is to be, to be securely connected to us. Truth binds together everything we believe. We have to stand by this. Point number two. So point number one, how can we race and finish the race and finish strong? Stand firm in the truth. Point number two, don't follow the voice of strangers. Jesus talking about himself as our shepherd said in John 10 verses 2 to 5. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Who are the strangers? Have you ever thought about that? Well, there are different voices that we can identify as the voice of strangers. The voice of the world is one of them. The ideologies and systems of this world who are contrary to God's word. That's the voice of a stranger. When it comes to my faith in Jesus, am I going to embrace the ideologies that the world is spreading around? I need to discern if what I am hearing out there aligns with the word of God. Colossians 2.8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the word, not according to Christ. This is not talking about going up to a mountain and, and never contact anyone in the world and, you know, live out there isolated. No, this is talking about not embracing the ideologies who oppose God's principles. Voice of a stranger, the voice of the world. I'll give you an example. You see, people, they, have, they may have different opinions on, and feelings about gender issues, about marriage, about the sanctity of life, but God has something to say about these matters. And it's quite clear in his word. It is quite clear. So I'm not going to follow a voice who does not align with God's views. By the way things are going, I may end up in prison one day for preaching like this. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. And Jesus knows that I don't care. Because I'm going to stand by what God said. His opinions on these matters. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus said to some people, oh, there's another voice. The voice of the devil. 
the voice of the world, the voice of the devil. This creature has a voice, but I'm not going to listen to him. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, not you, okay? He was speaking to some people. <laughs> and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. Paul wrote to Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. And we are seeing this everywhere. Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So according to the words of Jesus, not, not according to my own opinion, according to the words of Jesus, every time the devil speaks, he speaks lies. And so I'm not going to listen to this voice. Not going to pay attention. Another voice, the voice of the flesh, which is an important one. We don't like to hear about it, but it, it speaks. The flesh speaks. Say it with me, my flesh speaks. It's true. Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Galatians 5.24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So I cannot allow the voice of my flesh to dictate my life. If the voice of my flesh is leading me away from the ways of God, I cannot let it lead me. Full stop. I cannot let it lead me. Now, there's another voice, and this one is very important, the voice of false teachers. Be careful with it, the voice of false teachers. Right from the beginning of the start of the church, the apostles and the leaders, they had to deal with a lot of this stuff, a lot of false prophets going around, false teaching, false doctrines being spread around from the beginning, from the start of the church. And so it was infiltrating the community, the Christian community. And this has not changed, by the way. It's still happening today. And so false teachers and false doctrine are rampant with the help of technology all sorts of false teachings are going around, spreading around very quickly. You know, technology is great. I love it. You know, we are live streaming this service, okay? And we can preach the gospel. You know, technology is great, but technology is also being used to spread this deception. It's the reality. So there is one tiny book in the Bible. I love this book, by the way, that addresses this issue very well of false teachers. And I find this book more current and relevant than ever. Right before Revelation, the book of Jude. Right before the end, how fitting. Who has read the book of Jude? Okay, a few. You have to read this letter. It's just fantastic. Now, the author of this letter is Jude. He identifies himself in the first verse, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. So this Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. And like James, who also wrote a book, the book of James, he did not have faith in Jesus, his half-brother, until his death and resurrection. Only later on, he embraced the faith 
and he became a believer. And so Jude was very concerned with what was happening in the Christian community with false teachers. So he decides to write a letter to expose false teachers and to encourage believers to contend for the faith. Look at what he wrote, Jude verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of God into lewdness, meaning of sin, indecent, and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Judy is saying? His original intent was to write to them about salvation, how good it is that Jesus is our Savior. But he changed his mind, and so he changes the subject. And so he found it more important to talk about this issue because something happening was happening, and it was a dangerous thing happening in the church. Jude is saying that these false teachers and false prophets were bringing confusion and deception to God's people. They were not people of a different faith. You understand that? They were not pagans. They were coming from within the Christian community, and Jude uses very strong language to describe these false teachers. Are you following me? Okay, you always need to pay attention to my messages, I know. Sometimes my husband says, you know, oh my gosh, you have so many verses in there and so many things. That's me. So just pay attention, okay? Keep tuned in and you'll be fine. So look at Jude. He uses very strong language to describe these people. Ungodly, verse 4, verse 8, dreamers, verse 12, spots, waterless clouds, fruitless trees, verse 13, raging waves and wandering stars. I don't have enough time to unpack this whole thing. I would love to, maybe some other time. Let's just say that this is very strong language. So Jude is saying, Jude is saying that these false teachers, they were not being true to doctrine. They were misleading people. They were distorting the truth of God's word, and they were representing Jesus wrongly. That's what he's saying. Jude writes in verse 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed. They secretly slipped in among the Christian community. And by the way, there are men and women who are false teachers. You know what? You need to know your Bible for yourself. You need to read it. Don't just take whatever someone is saying to you on YouTube or something that you read in a book. People, you need to know your Bible. You really need to know it. And so in, I'm always amazed at how people are so easily misled by false doctrines and false teachers. In speaking about false teachers, Jude gives us a few examples from the Old Testament of people who had the wrong motivation and were deceived. So we're talking about a voice, the voice of strangers. And so these people, Jude compares the false teachers to these people. And he writes in verse 11, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, for us to understand what Jude is saying, 
we need to know the Old Testament. Am I right? So if someone tells you that you no longer need to read the Old Testament because you just need to read the New Testament, well, you know what? You will not understand what the New Testament writers are talking about. And here's a good example. What happened with Cain and Balaam and Korah? So I wouldn't get what Jude is saying to me, warning me about false teachers. So they have gone in the way of Cain. Jude compares, Jude compares false teachers to the actions of Cain. So Cain did not follow God's way to commune with him. That was the problem. He wanted to do things his own way. I'm not going to follow God's instructions. So God accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering. I'm going to do it my way. I will give him the fruit of my own labor, not an animal sacrifice. What does that mean? And this is one of the things false teachers are compared to. Cain exhibited self-righteousness. I will do it my way. Maybe God's instructions are up for interpretation. And I see this happening all the time. I'll give you an example. The Bible says something about a certain subject. But you know what? Maybe I can compromise here and there. God understands my position. The times have changed. We live in a, we live in a modern world. That's a problem. They have run greedily in the era of Balaam for profit. What in the world does that mean? Well, you need to know the story, and we find the story in Numbers chapter 22. There was a king of Moab called Balak, and he was in trouble. He was fighting with Israel, but he was outmaneuvered because God was with the Israelites. So what does he do? He hires a wacky false prophet to come and curse God's people. And it's interesting that we see in verse 17 that Balak, the king, promised the false prophet a reward. He said, I'll make sure you are richly rewarded. Interesting. So Balaam came because of the money. In fact, two words indicating money is found in verse 11. They have run greedily for profit. So what Judy is saying that these false teachers don't have the right motivation in their hearts Another example, they perished in the rebellion of Korah. Who knows that story? A few. Number 16. Basically, this is a story about rebellion. A man named Korah and others, they thought that they knew better than Moses how to run God's affairs. They were basically rebellious, and it didn't go down well for them. And so what Jude is saying with these examples is, these false teachers are self-righteous, they are greedy, and they are rebellious. They're not accountable to anyone. And Jude continues describing these false teachers in the following manner. I like this preacher, by the way. He's a straight shooter, that's for sure, like the Americans say it. June 16, 19. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Verse 18. Now they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the spirit. This is in the Bible for some reason, okay? And we need to read it. We need to pay attention. If we, need, we want to finish our race strong, 
stand in the truth, don't listen to the voice of strangers, we need to pay attention to this. And so I'm not going to mention any names from this pulpit because that's not my call. It's not up to me to judge anyone. As Jude himself says later on in the letter, God will deal with them. Okay, it's not up to me to say any names or judge anyone. What, what I need to do is to look at my own walk, look at my own walk and pay attention to what Jude is saying and the many other verses in the Bible that warns us about this. Look, you know, we have several apostles writing about this. Apostle John, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many, what? False prophets have gone out into the world. Another apostle, this time the apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 11, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Listen, there are so many wrong and total heresies out there, and you have to discern. If you know your Bible, you will be able to discern. I'll give you an example. There's a, a, a false teaching going around for years now that people are believing there is no hell, and in the end, everything will be fine because even the devil himself will be forgiven by God. How inclusive! Ah, it sounds amazing. Not nah, wrong, false teaching. False teaching. It does not align in any way with the teachings of the Bible. No way. Another apostle concerned with this, Peter. 2 Peter 2.1. But there were also false prophets among, you, among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Now, I have to say this. No one is perfect, and no one has all the right theology. I don't have it for sure. But it is appropriate to check what doctrines people are teaching, and also to look at their conduct Conduct and character, it is biblical, it's okay. You don't, feel, you don't have to feel bad about it. Now, the greater danger is when believers no longer desire to listen to sound doctrine. Ah, that is a bit of a difficult one. They go around looking for teachers that preach only what they like to hear. And unfortunately, they will be easy prey. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. For there will be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. This is a reality nowadays. Okay, I was listening to someone the other day, and this teaching has been going around also for years, and so many people believe this, that now that we are saved, we don't have to worry anymore about sin. Whatever you do in your life, God is fine with it, because when he looks at your life, he only sees the blood of Jesus. Ah, oh, 
It is so beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, wait. That does not align with the word of God. It has nothing to do with my salvation. Yes, he has forgiven my sins and your sins and we are saved. But God is still working in me. He hasn't finished the job. So what does that mean? I do not go to sleep every night without asking God to forgive my sins because I make mistakes every day. What kind of doctrine is that? That's totally wrong. I cannot live like anywhere else, anyone else in the world. Of course not. I'm a follower of Jesus. And so God looks at my life and he sees the bits that he still needs to work. He doesn't see just, oh, the blood of Jesus. No, that's false teaching. That's false teaching and it's deceiving so many and people, they think they're okay and they're not okay. So how do we finish our race Strong, stand firm in the truth, don't follow the voice of strangers. Lastly, contend for your faith. Contend for your faith. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what type of voices are pulling you this way and that way, you stand with God. You stick with God and His word. And the book of Jude ends with these very, very encouraging words. I love this because God is so good. He finishes his letter. It's such a short one. only has 25 verses. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Listen, God is able to keep us from stumbling. It's okay. He's strong enough. He's powerful enough. He's wise enough. He will keep you from stumbling. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is amazing in his wisdom. Amazing in his wisdom. Hallelujah. Are you blessed to know God? He is amazing. And I'm always, you know, I'm always studying the Bible. That's something that I love to do. And the more I study, the more I'm amazed at his wisdom. God is Amazingly wise. <laughs> Incredible. Hallelujah. Did you get something? Did you learn something this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.